truth sown into good soil, prepared by the Holy Spirit, that even now, the precious Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, he's moving upon all of us to give us good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives and helping us to get focused, our minds just locked into what God's saying to us, locked into the Word right now, and eyes and ears of the Spirit to be able to see and hear and understand maybe what we couldn't before, but the Holy Spirit brings revelation. And Lord, I thank you for speaking through me. Your word is living seeds that are sown in a good soil, watered by the Spirit. Take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. So Lord, we thank you for it. Everything will be accomplished in it through this time that your will to be done. But the Bible says your word will not return void, but go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. But we do know the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So we all agree together. Lord, we submit this unto you, and we resist the devil. We must flee anything that would try to hinder this in any way from getting where it's supposed to and accomplishing what it's supposed to. This series, we command it to be bound in Jesus' name right now and back off. And Lord, I thank you for your angels clearing that out. There won't be any hindrance. And the winds of the Holy Spirit will take this where it needs to go. Lord, we thank you for it. We agree together. We believe. We expect it now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm dealing with wolves among the sheep. And this is uh, something God's laid on my heart the last couple weeks. And I might have one more sermon after this. Of course, we're going into our conference. So we're going to shift the focus a little bit. But as we're looking at a change of season, I mean, it was, right now it's starting to feel like fall. You know, we're leaving the summer. Thing. There's a change of season. There'll be winds blowing. Right now we've got the cooler winds starting to blow in. And pretty soon you'll see the grass is already starting to not grow as quickly. Pretty soon the leaves will start dying. It's a change of season. And that's where we're at spiritually as a church is God is shifting something for us where we're leaving one season and moving into another. We've been in a seven-year period I believe, of a tremendous preparation for the days ahead. And what God has prophesied over us, we're on the verge of seeing that come forth. And so with that said, I've been dealing with some things over this last couple of weeks that I felt like that, you know, Satan has tried to attack the world really in many ways through COVID. And I talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Remember that? One of them, the spirit of death. And it had to do with plagues, among other things. And we talked about that. It's a last day in time scenario. And it looks like the forcing of things like a vaccination is preparing the way one day for a mark of the beast of some kind where you won't be able to buy or sell without it. So we're moving into these end times very quickly as far as we're already in the end times. But we're moving into seeing the, the fullness of all these things come. And here we are at this time, and COVID has attacked the world, but also through that, Satan really tried to attack the church, didn't he? There were churches in different states. Thankfully, Texas wasn't hit as hard with things like this because it's more of a conservative state, but there were churches that had to file lawsuits and had to shut their doors and, and had to go up against state governments and things like that. It was horrible. And thankfully, they've come out the other side, most of them, but there's, there's still a lot of churches that have never really recovered. And that, unfortunately, I, I hate this, but a lot, of, a lot of pastors have said, a lot of pastors have said that even after restrictions lifted, they never got everybody back. Isn't that sad? But that's, that may be some kind of a sifting right there that God's doing. But there's definitely been an attack against the church. And then it's been shifting from a worldwide thing attacking the church, and then it's shifting to trying to attack families and homes. And you're seeing a move where the devil is really trying to target homes and families. And many times as you study the word, you'll see there's always an attack before blessing. As John Davis has always told me, he said, it's never about what's behind you, it's always about what's in front of you. You see, so the devil attacks because he's trying to hinder what God's about to do, what he wants to do. And so I really feel, based on the Word of God um, and also just my feeling, I believe that God has a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is about to break forth in the earth. It won't be about America, but America will definitely see a major move. But it's going to be a global thing. 
And I believe this move will make what's been impossible possible. But in some ways, it might, might be a little bit different. It might have to be a little more underground than past movements because of things going on. But the Holy Spirit will be poured out. The harvest will yield. And a bride will be made ready to meet the Lord in the air. How many believe that? All right. So with that said, we're living in, you know, as it said, the best of times and the worst of times. In the world, it's the worst of times, and it's going to keep getting darker. But for us, it's the best of times, and it's going to keep getting more glorious. So we're dealing with Wolves Among the Sheep, part three. And I'm going to talk tonight briefly about a unified front. We've got to be unified. But I want to open up with something and then kind of dovetail out of this. So let me just open with this and talk about it for a few moments. And that's Hosea 4.12. And it says this. I want you to really hear what I'm saying. Hosea 4.12. God, if you know anything about the book of Hosea, God always equates idolatry with like adultery or unfaithfulness to him. And so while the nation of Israel was backslidden and they were idolatrous, so they were basically, from God's perspective, they were having like an adulterous affair against him with their idols, their other gods, okay? And so God had the prophet Hosea marry an unfaithful woman, this prostitute, and it was prophetic because she was so unfaithful to him the way that the nation of Israel was unfaithful to their God. And so I'm putting this in context. Now, here's this scripture. Hosea prophesied, My people habitually ask counsel of their wood idols, and their staff of wood gives them oracles and instructs them. Which that sounds kind of like some kind of divination, doesn't it? But look at this. For the spirit of harlotry has led them astray. But I want everybody to please hear what I'm saying. The spirit of harlotry there can be translated as spirit of whoredoms or a spirit of adultery, but basically it's a spirit of unfaithfulness. Everybody say this, a spirit of unfaithfulness. Okay, so that can be unfaithful to God or it can be unfaithful to people, but it's a spirit of unfaithfulness. So it's not just being unfaithful. There is literally a spirit that tries to cause unfaithfulness. And this spirit of whoredoms, it says, led them astray, and they have played the harlot, withdrawing themselves from subjection to their God. Wow. So let me just dwell on something for a few moments here. Back, and I'm saying all this very deliberately and carefully, but I, I do feel like it needs to be said. And my heart in this is that people really change these things, okay? But back in the 90s revivals, I saw people, the presence of God came in, and I saw people so hungry and on fire for God. I mean, people would line up. They couldn't wait to go to church, radical in their praise. I mean, they were just on fire, you know? And I saw as the, as the revival began to wane, probably in 2003 to 5, somewhere in there, it began to wane some. When that began to happen, I noticed from about 2006 to 2020, there was about 15 years where I saw a real change, not just in this region, but in the body of Christ. And here's some things, because I'm talking about a spirit of whoredoms, like unfaithfulness. I saw how, number one, people began to compromise their godly convictions. And I've really done my best in my personal life to guard my godly convictions that God has given me. And I just want to warn people to be careful because it starts very subtle. See, a spirit of whoredoms is a very subtle thing. Just like in the natural, if somebody's going to commit adultery on their spouse, it doesn't start out many times as just something that just happens overnight. A lot of times it's a very subtle thing that something is working on their mind and their emotions over a period of time to get them to begin to think about what it would be like with another person. 
and begin to focus on the negative in their spouse and focus on the positive in maybe somebody else and and try it's something there that's working on them right in the same way when when the spirit of whoredoms begins to work on people it's very subtle it's not that the person backslides overnight but it's one little compromise to the next little compromise. And next news you know, give it three or four or five years, and they're a totally different person spiritually than what they were. But it didn't happen overnight. It happened gradually, you see. And one of the ways I've seen this happen is through people really compromising godly, holy convictions. And over this nation, I don't have time to go into this because it would be a huge rabbit trail, but we know that the spirit of Baal is over America, and under that, you deal with the Jezebel spirit, which is very pervasive in this nation. You see it in politics, you see it in the media, but you definitely see it in the entertainment industry. That's why, see, the spirit of Jezebel and whoredoms go together, and that's why you see such a strong seducing type spirit on entertainment you notice that there's a real seduction about it and it it shows up in a lot of different ways but entertainment if you're not careful can be very addictive to some people and not only that but you see it in other ways it's tent the tendencies in the entertainment industry for people taking off their clothes and getting very sexually seductive but not just that There's something about it that has some kind of a pull on people. And it's interesting because you see that that tends to be the area where people begin to compromise their godly convictions. Things that they wouldn't have watched back in the days of revival or listened to or whatever, now they find, well, it's not a big deal, and they'll compromise in this area, get desensitized and comfortable in that compromise, and then the spirit of whoredom says, okay, and then they start compromising in the next area. Then the next area. And pretty soon, the areas of those things, they not only are they compromising, but they'll start compromising with their family and their kids. And they would have never done it before. But now, something has seduced them into it. This type of thing, if we're not careful, the spirit of whoredoms comes in and it is an anointing thief. It, people don't realize that they have a calling on their life, but it literally will sap the anointing out when they begin these compromises, you see. That's what the enemy's after. He's after, not, if he can't get your eternal soul because you're born again, he wants to at least steal your effectiveness for the Lord, you see. And that's what he's after. He's after your fruitfulness. He's after that strong anointing. And for that to be there, there has to be some godly standards. And I know you guys know this. And then I've seen also, not just with godly convictions, but even with the basics. You know, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, these are all in my notes from this last week, I started thinking about this, and and even the very basics. For example, you accept Christ as your Savior, you're born again. Some of the very basics are you start going to church. Yet we see people getting out of church, you see. You start doing things like tithing, giving, being a witness. But then you see people now getting away from the basics, you know, the ABCs. What is it right now? And see, this COVID thing has really amped this up because it tried to force people out of God's house. It tried to force people, and then at the same time that they're getting kind of disconnected from the church, getting disconnected from their giving and the basics, at the same time, they're kind of at home, and that spirit of whoredoms is trying to seduce them maybe into things like pornography and different things that they weren't in, you see. Does this make sense? This is an attack. And I'm here tonight to try to expose some of this. It's trying to steal things in your life that God has for you. Another area that the spirit of whoredoms will target is also in the family. Where once people were in love and God's hand was really upon a family and at work in a family, you'll see the spirit of whoredoms start coming in. And it's trying 
to, to seduce and destroy marriages. It's trying to destroy and pull apart families. And we're living at a time right now like no other time in American history where even among people that profess Christianity, okay, and the millennials coming up, which is around, what, 36 down, okay, there's this age group there called millennials, that even among that group, you see the highest percentage in American history of people that call themselves Christians but are shacked up living together in sexual immorality, not married. A spirit of whoredoms. The 700 Club and some others reported this. I don't remember who did this. I think Charisma News also reported this. But according to a study in the millennials, 60% believe that, there, that Jesus, the gospel, and all that is not just the only way, but that there's other ways to God. 60%. Now, are y'all seeing where I'm going with this with a spirit of whoredoms? Unfaithfulness to God. Something is trying to seduce people to away from the gospel, trying to seduce them into sin, trying to get them out of the basics, trying to get them to compromise their godly convictions, and trying to cause unfaithfulness in the family structure. And even with the calling, my wife will confirm this, but I can think of, of quite a few just off the top of my head people that I've seen that I really felt that they had a strong calling on their life. I really felt it. I still do. They're not in the ministry at all. I mean, I'm talking quite a few. What happened? What seduced them away from their calling? You know, with that said, wouldn't it be a scary thought that if we don't fulfill our calling, that there could be people that end up not being in heaven one day because we were unfaithful to our calling? That's a scary thought, isn't it? And I think it's a very fair thought. So we need to consider this. This is a spirit of whoredoms. That's an ancient spirit. It's connected to Jezebel. And it's something that's slithering through this nation. And it's trying to pull people away from God. And you see it today. There's things today that, I mean, any of us that's grown up in church, some of you guys have grown up in church for a while, or at least been in church for over 20 years, okay? You've been in church for a long time. You know as well as I do that there's things today that just would have never been acceptable in church as far as the, the sexual immorality, all the partying and clubbing, the foul language, the alcohol, and, and all the different things. It just would never have been. I mean, people knew whether it was Baptist or whether it was Pentecostal, people knew better. People knew that there was a difference between the people of the world and the people of God, okay? But some kind of a spirit of whoredoms has come in and made that those lines blurred. All right. So with that, I want to kind of dovetail now into this about a unified front and watching out for the wolves. Now, this is for people that are healthy in this area in their life. There's no fear about this. There's just simply wisdom. Amen. So as I'm talking about this, this is just so your eyes can be open. I know River of Life knows a lot of these things. But this is for the greater audience because there's, there's quite a few people follow the podcast here. And honestly, I've, I've been, you know, in church my whole life, but really came to know the Lord in 95. And from that point till now, I don't know that I've really ever heard hardly any sermons or teachings along these lines that I'm teaching on. Isn't that scary? And so tonight I'm going to deal with some things you probably have not heard taught. All right, so I'm going to look at Jude, and I'm just going to start with verse 4. There's only one chapter in Jude. I'm going to start with verse 4 and go through 13. And so in verse 4, it says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about the co our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all time handed down to the saints. We're looking at a time, guys, where, you know, the line is being drawn in the sand. You know, what are we going to do in the days to come? Let's just think about it for a moment, okay? We can debate about this current 
vaccine mandate and what's out there right now, okay? But what about as it gets worse? And what about in the days to come when there's a forced mark that you won't be able to buy or sell without it? You see, that spirit of whoredoms right now is at work in the world trying to get people where they're more and more comfortable with compromise. See, I'm going to tell you, there's people that will go to church on the weekend and they'll, they'll worship God in their one way, but when they're in the workplace, you would never know that they're a Christian. Not only do they conceal it, but they act just like the heathen there. You see, it, as people get comfortable selling out the Lord in these little areas, like they know that some, something's coming on in the home and they know that this isn't something they should be watching, their kids could be watching, but they don't care. They get desensitized to selling out these little things. They go to work and they kind of sell out to the crowd there because they want business deals, they want to be accepted, they want the money, whatever, and they sell out with the little things like that. You got to understand, every time people are compromising and they're playing the harlot and they're selling out in the little things, it's going to get the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I'm just telling you all flat out, I've believed this for a long time, you're going to be surprised how many people call themselves Christians one day that will take the mark of the beast. Satan is already right now, as I'm preaching, desensitizing many to being a sellout right now. So, beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt it a necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. There's going to have to be a contending. We're going to have to draw some lines in the sand and make up our mind that even if other people are going to sell out and they're going to compromise and they're going to become like the world and eventually they are going to take a mark or whatever, that I'm not doing it. There has to be that. This is a personal thing. But, and then he goes on to say this, though. This is kind of what I wanted to get to tonight. Verse 4. For certain people have crept in unnoticed. Everybody say unnoticed. Let me read that again. He's talking about a Christian church here. He said, for certain people have crept in. I really want this to hit home. They've kind of snuck in the back door. They've slithered in. They've crept in. People didn't really, and it said they were unnoticed. So they came in among God's people. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turned the grace of our God into indecent behavior and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, we're living in a time too when you have to really be careful because there's a lot of people that are turning God's grace into a license to sin today. In verse 5, Now I want to remind you, though you know everything once and for all that our Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. You know, there was a lot of people left Egypt, but there was also a lot of people died in that wilderness. How many knows God wasn't pleased with everybody, you see? And he said in verse 6, he said, And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper dwelling place. And this goes back to the Nephilim. They had their dwelling place in the second heaven. They came down and began to commingle with women and produced a, the Nephilim. He said they, they weren't in their dwelling place, he says, these he has kept in eternal restraints under the darkness for the day of judgment. And also then verse 7, he equates that sexual immorality regarding the angels with verse 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these angels indulged in sexual perversions and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way, these people also, these are those that have crept in unaware, dreaming, they defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak abusively against angelic majesties. You know, that's something there just to stop and think about for a moment, defiling our flesh. 
Are we keeping our bodies really pure? What are we putting in our bodies? What are we putting on our bodies? What are we doing with our bodies? You see, defiling the flesh and rejecting authority. We're living in a time of probably more rebellion today than there's probably ever been in America. Do you think about what I'm saying? There are people in this room that grew up in school where they remember that there was at least some respect toward teachers. Am I right? Yeah. We're living in a time of great rebellion where people, even among God's people, are defiling the flesh, rejecting authority. And then he goes on to say, but even Michael the archangel, when he disputed the devil, arguing about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against even the devil an abusive judgment, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people... They do not understand. They speak against things they don't understand. And look at this. And by their own instinct, like unreasoning animals, they go after the lust of their flesh like an unreasoning animal. And by these things are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Remember, Cain murdered Abel. And for pay, for money, they've given themselves up to error like Balaam. Remember how Balaam took money? the false prophesying, all that, and perished in Korah's rebellion. There's three things there. Murder, okay, the love of money, and then he, and he says rebellion against authority. Those three things right there. These are the ones who are hidden reefs in your love feast when they feast with you without fear, like shepherds caring only for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by the winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea churning up their own shameful deeds like dirty foam, wandering stars for whom the gloom of darkness has been reserved forever. But these, he says here, are like hidden reefs. They're like defilement, if you will, among God's people. They come in among, they creep in, and they defile the church with their sin, etc. So, these are strong condemning words against this, isn't it? And then also in Galatians 2, starting with verse 2, he said, It was because of a revelation that I went up, and I submitted to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. He was talking about when he went to see Peter and them in Jerusalem. But I did so in private to those who of reputation for fear that somehow I might be running or had run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Yet it was a concern because of the false brothers secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy on our freedom, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to enslave us. So Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia. Why? Because there were people who were Judaizers who, were, who believed that you had to be circumcised and had to do certain works to be saved, that accepting Christ, accepting the gospel was not enough. You had to do that, and then you also had to be circumcised, etc., to go to heaven. And so they were coming in, and they were preaching another gospel. But I want you to hear what Paul, what Paul said. He said this. He said, yet it was a concern because of the false brothers who secretly crept in, brought in, they sneaked in to spy on our freedom, which we have in Christ, in order to enslave us. Isn't that something? But we did not yield in subjection to them, even for one hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain in you. But from those who were considerably of considerable repute, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no favoritism. Well, those who were of repute, contributed nothing to me. But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just like Peter was to the circumcised, and recognizing the grace that has been given to me. So anyway, let me just stop there. But I want you to see to the Galatian church how Paul said that they were some that were coming in. They were sneaking in among them, and they were perverting the gospel and they were spying out the freedom that was there. Do you see that? So my point in all of this, last week, this kind of dovetails on Acts chapter 20 or so, when I was talking about how Paul 
told the leaders that they would come in ravaging wolves. Remember that? And so we've been on this theme now for a couple weeks, but I just want you to see that there are people, the Bible says, that try to slip in with God's people that are not really God's people. Tares among the wheat, okay? And so here's some things that I wanted to talk about tonight. Last week, I dealt more with deceived Christians, those that, you know, just simply have issues in their life and they consequently cause problems. But tonight, I was dealing a little bit differently. I told you last week I would deal with this. But these are people, there are people that are sent on assignment in. This is not just Christians that have problems, tendencies with rebellion or whatever. These are people that are sent in to destroy. And so it could be people that are witches or it could be people that maybe, you know, I've heard now that there are people that um, maybe in the LGBT community that are going into churches to try to cause problems, you know. And that may be the case. Or they could be uh, Muslims that are slipping in or whatever. But they're people that are sent in for the purpose of being that a fifth column, that Trojan horse, to try to come in and destroy from within. Because just as Derek Prince said, you know, we're not destroyed from without. If there's going to be destruction, almost always it will be from within. So this is how these will come in. And so I'm saying this to River of Life because in the days to come, as we're moving into a different place and we're going to be having the harvest coming in, and all these sincere believers that are getting saved, just remember what I've been talking about the last three weeks. Satan wants to sow tares among the wheat. He wants that there's others coming in with that. Now, I'm going to be praying about it, and I know you are, and God will help us. But Satan wants that there's going to be tares among the wheat coming in that will destabilize. You remember all this we talked about? They want to come in to neutralize and destabilize. And you have to be aware of it. You have to discern it. And so here's how the enemy wants to send these people in among us. Number one, they will have to establish some type of a profession of faith. So those that are coming in, I mean, they literally could be witches or something. But they know that they will never be accepted as such. So they're going to have to establish some type of a profession of faith and have some kind of a story of where they accepted Christ as their Savior so that they can pretend to be one of us, you see. The second thing they'll do after establishing some type of a profession of faith is they will want to build some kind of credibility and so the way that they'll do that is by really being faithful in church attendance, tithes and offerings, etc. They'll start building a credibility in the church as being among the faithful few. Number three, they would love to develop friendships, key friendships in the church, especially warming up to leadership. And as some of you have already experienced down through the years, not everybody that comes to church is of God. And some people are troubled. Be careful who you associate with and allow in your life. I've said this for the last two weeks, but the wrong people in your life can bring a lot of destruction. You don't want some type of person that's going to cause some kind of a destruction in your personal life or your marriage or among your children. And there are certain types of people that if they're left unchecked, can bring a lot of destruction to a church. So they want to develop friendships. So first off, they're going to come in pretending to be a Christian. Number two, they're going to try to build credibility, looking spiritual, that they know the word, that they're faithful in their attendance and giving, they're, they're among the remnant, if you will. Then number three, they're going to try to develop key relationships. Then number four, this is a big one to me that I'm aware of, that they will try to destroy and remove the prayer base. 
How many knows the devil knows that a praying Christian is a powerful Christian? When the devil begins to attack people, one of the first things he'll try to do is get you out of prayer. In the same way with a church, when he's going to attack a church, the very first thing he's trying to do is get prayer out of that church. Because a praying church is a powerful church. And so they will go after that prayer base. Number five, they will try to worm their way into teaching positions because they want to teach and change doctrine. You got to be careful with these people. You remember in Revelation 2.20, what Jesus rebuked Jezebel, he rebuked this church in Thyatira. It says that Jezebel tries to teach and prophesy and lead my servants astray. Did you, did you hear that? The Jezebel spirit will cause people to try to teach and try to false prophesy to lead God's people astray. So you have to be careful that the people that are doing the teaching have been vetted. You also need to use some wisdom about who's going around prophesying over people as well. Number six, they will try to worm their way into leadership positions if they can where decisions are made. They covet being in different types of board meetings or etc., where they can have a hand in making the decisions. Number seven, they want to be the ones, if it's a spirit-filled type church, that's laying hands on people. Now, how many knows that whenever people are laying hands, you have to be wise because whatever it is that somebody has in their life and they're going through laying hands, they're releasing something from their life. And as you're standing there receiving what they're releasing, if it's not of God, that's not a good thing. So those that are laying hands on people need to be vetted as well that their life is pure. Amen? I know you guys know this and feel this way, but I'm just getting this out there. I'm a revival person. I love revival. And I love the move of the Holy Spirit, and we pray for people. And I love going places and getting prayer. But it's dangerous to have a free-for-all because you're going to have the good, bad, and the ugly whenever you just let anything go. All right, and then the next thing, number eight, they will try to spread rumors to destroy a church. You have to be really careful if you're going to be in any type of leadership position that you make sure that your spouse is with you and you don't get in any type of situation where somebody can falsely accuse you of things. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Don't allow yourself to be set up or put in some type of awkward position. I've heard some horror stories. I mean, some that your mouth would hang open if I told you of pastors I know that the devil tried to set them up, man, in a very awkward situation. They had no idea. They walk into some things, and they couldn't believe the stuff that they've walked into. So just be very careful. So Satan tries to spread rumors to destroy the church. Number nine, this is really interesting to me. The devil also will try to break up family units. Are y'all hearing me? Break up family units. I, I really appreciate that we have ministries for different groups. You know, we have children's, we have youth. We have college, we have young married couples, we have, you know, different things, cell groups, we have the women's doing ministry doing this, men doing this. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of things like that, don't we? And it's good in, in a lot of ways. I think it is good. But the problem is, though, when I was growing up, I'll just be honest with you. When I was growing up, a lot of that stuff wasn't existent. I mean, we had... Uh, Sunday morning or whatever, there'd be something for the kids. But by and large, families worship together. And I remember many a service, many, many, many a service that me and my brothers as kids were in main church with my family. And you know what? We learned to worship together with the adults. And that's something I really think that is important 
that children learn to, to be in God's house and learn to be respectful of God's house, respectful of God's presence, learn to worship because they see the adults worshiping. They learn to sit and be respectful to the preaching of the word. They learn to come down and get prayer in the altar. They're only going to learn these things if they're with the church worshiping together. And something that's always been really awesome in River of Life is that there's never really been a big gap between the generations. There's always been a unity about worshiping together as far back as I can remember. But I have seen churches and been a part of churches where the youth and the adults were like two completely different churches that did not commingle. And that's not a good thing. So you need to have some kind of a unity there. And children need to learn to, to be respectful and reverence God's house and how to worship together and, and to sit there and be respectful. I remember I say this joking around, but I remember as a kid, you know, if we started acting up or something, I remember my dad, like, Stretch Armstrong or whatever, boy, his arm starts coming across that pew and whack, he, you know, back of the head and get us. And we learn, we learn to be respectful, amen. <laughs> but we needed that. And so there's something about that unity, but I believe that Satan's kingdom wants to cause too much of that division among God's people. Number 10 and this is a big one, infiltrators will want to stop all accurate teaching about Satan, spiritual warfare, and deliverance. Did y'all hear what I said? I've been surprised at how many people, when you just simply start talking about spiritual warfare, deliverance, the demonic realm, I've been surprised how many people just get really squirmy and uncomfortable. And I have to wonder, what's in them that's so uncomfortable? <laughs> As I'm thinking, this is, Jesus Christ himself was the one that taught us about these things. How many have read the Gospels? How many remember Jesus talking about the demonic, talking about spiritual warfare, and delivering people from demons? So when you start talking about this stuff, people don't like, people that have issues in them a lot of times don't like it. But it has its place, and it needs to be talked about. And those that are infiltrators will really hate it, and they want to stop all accurate teaching about the devil and deliverance and warfare. And something I've thought about, I want you guys just to consider this, and it was really pronounced in the previous president that we had. When Trump was in office, I just sat back and watched this. I thought this was really interesting to me. Who hated President Trump? Let's, let's think about it. Who was against, against, they were going against? Okay, think about this. You had those that really hate and want the destruction of Israel. They hated Trump. Okay. Consequently, you had all the terrorists. You also had those that were like illegals. You had people that were like extreme liberals, including the homosexual community. The pro-abortion people hated Trump. And I could go on, and including, now this is just a fact for those that didn't know, but the witches and the Satanists so hated Trump that they began to organize their witches' prayer meetings against him. And it made the news, the secular news. For those that didn't know this and think I'm just making it up, go look it up. So you have all these type of people that were against, okay? Then you had, who was for President Trump? Well, you have people that were like patriots and conservative people, but you had the Christians and the nation of Israel were all now, I'm saying that for this reason. Don't forget this. If you're going to go in the right direction, the people that are going to be coming against you and hate you and are against you are going to be those that are going in the opposite direction. 
There's no way, I'm just telling you, I think you know this, but there's no way that everybody's going to love you. You're going to have to choose which side you're on and go for it. Either you're going to be in the flow like the current of the devil's flow of what he wants, or you're going to be in the flow of what God wants. And if you're moving with what God wants and what pleases God, I aggressively assure you that there's going to be people that are in opposition to that. And if you, if you have the witches and the Satanists that like what you're doing and are for you, how many knows you're going in the wrong direction? <laughs> so that's kind of my point here, though. When you're teaching in a way that exposes the devil, spiritual warfare deliverance, the people should be for you. Those that are against you says a lot right there. All right. Number 11, also infiltrators want to sow division among the members. So they will try to cause division between church people and their leaders and between each other. Be careful about that because it, those type of people, the wrong people, for whatever reason, they will try to cause church people to get offended with and turned against their leaders, against the youth pastor, against whoever, and also trying to be against each other because the enemy knows the kingdom divided can't stand. And the Bible says in the book of Romans 16, I believe, verse 17, to mark those that cause divisions among you and to avoid them. Did y'all hear that? I personally just don't associate with it. I've heard people badmouth and stuff. I just... I find my way out the exit, and I've, I just don't continue with those type of people. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear them bad-mouthing preachers and other Christians and, and talking bad about churches and trying to cause all this problem. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be around it. And finally, number 12, and this is one I think River of Life will understand, although probably not everybody hearing this will, but direct attacks through witchcraft. And so just like Christians will pray and the prayers of Christians release the power of God, in the same way, the devil's servants will pray and their prayers release like a satanic power, a resistance. And those that are discerning can feel it, but this is how witchcraft attacks will try to affect people. How many have ever felt that it was difficult to pray and it shouldn't be? If you were being resisted. How many have ever felt that? Well, I'm not saying it's necessarily witchcraft coming against you, but it can be. Number two, if the enemy is trying to come against you and witchcraft is coming against you, another sign can be not only difficulty praying, but also being really melancholy. How many have ever felt kind of down, discouraged, and depressed or whatever and you really got to thinking about it after a couple days, and you thought, why am I feeling this way? It's really not that bad. I may have ever had that. That's a sign. Remember the prophet Elijah was being attacked by witchcraft through Jezebel and went into a depression. Number three, temptations will amplify. We've all, everybody gets tempted. But how many have ever felt a temptation really strong and you thought, man, why was that so, there was like a power behind that. It was, it was more than what it should have been. That can be witchcraft. Number four, another sign that you're coming up against something in the way of being targeted by witchcraft could be battling oppression. <clears throat> Mental, emotional oppression. How many, how many have ever felt that? I have. Just this oppression trying to come. Number five can be things like sickness, like one little sickness after the next, or mental confusion. How many have ever felt that before? I mean, you're thinking, why is this so confusing? Something's trying to mess with me here. Or attacks in the nighttime. Strange things in the nighttime is that's a lot of times when they're praying. And the last one I would say is unnecessary strife in the family. How many have ever felt that 
There was strife for no good reason. You look back on it and thought, why did we even get, how many have ever had a fight, a blow up in your family, and then later on, days later, you were like this, what were we even fighting about again? Like that. So see, the way witchcraft will come is you're being targeted. It will try to make prayer difficult and try to make people real melancholy. Temptations start amping up to be more than what they should be. There's mental and emotional oppression. You may be dealing with sickness, mental confusion, strange attacks in the night, or unnecessary strife in the family. I'm not saying that it always is witchcraft if you're dealing with those, but it can be. So in the days to come, I know River of Life, I know you know this, but I'm just trying to warn you that as we're seeing this harvest coming in, the devil wants to sow tares among the wheat. Please be careful. I don't want the wrong people trying to get up involved in your life that's going to bring destruction. I want you to be aware that not everybody that comes to church is a Christian or a good person, and some of them don't need to come back. I'm aware of it. I know you're aware of it. The devil has his wolves he wants to put in among the sheep. But I know you know this. I'm not one of those pastors that's going to put up with it. I'm not passive at all. I will deal with it. But I need you to stand with me when I do. All right. So, Lord, we thank you. We'll close these out. Lord, we thank you for this time. We bless you. I thank you so much for your presence in this place tonight. What an awesome time here at Tabernacles. We love you, Lord. We bless you. And I thank you for an open heaven and your glory here. Let this be sealed tonight in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to pray for people who want prayer tonight. I went to Cane Ridge recently, and God really touched me there. And we need just a fresh touch. That's one of the things I really miss in the 90s revivals. I, 